Unraveling the tractor pursuit. Can you tell us where he was going and what he was doing? What the driver's wife is saying about her husband's condition. A horrible weekend on the roads. Five people killed in three crashes since Saturday evening. Try doing this. Plus drawn to animation. I am painfully aware of how hard it was when I started out. How she sketched out success in a male-dominated industry. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We are learning new details about the man at the wheel of a tractor that crashed and rolled over yesterday afternoon near Highway 1. He was arrested and sent to hospital for treatment of what could be a serious injury. Global's Angela Jung is in the Fraser Valley where she met the driver's family. A baffling sight. Three police cruisers tailing the speeding tractor. We're told the man behind the wheel is Malki Shoker, who's part of a road rally protesting SOGI. SOGI stands for Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity. I would like all the parents watching this, if you love your children, please support this cause before it's too late. This crash happened Saturday afternoon along Golden Ears Way near the Highway 1 on-ramp. What we saw is the tractor made contact with the police car a couple more times before finally uh, making contact and actually rolling over, roll all the way over, and the operator or tractor driver fell out of the sunroof. Authorities say the driver was taken into custody and later taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. We go to Shoker's home to learn more. A woman who identifies herself as his wife answers the door. No, he just mentioned to me like they are going for that rally. I don't know that Soji rally. The Soji program is meant to create acceptance and inclusion for LGBTQ students. Can you tell me what his stance is on Soji? Like he want to stop that, like do whatever they are. We contacted the RCMP for an update and to find out what triggered this police chase. They referred us to the Independent Investigations Office. The IIO confirms it is conducting a preliminary investigation. The police watchdog is called to cases that result in serious harm or death, whether or not there are any allegations of wrongdoing. Shoker's wife says he remains in hospital and needs surgery. I think they're saying is his backbone broken or something like that. Why was he driving his tractor? I have no idea that. A factor that will likely be key in this investigation. Angela Jung, Global News. Police on the South Coast are investigating three fatal crashes this weekend that have claimed the lives of at least five people. That includes a hit and run last night in Surrey. A black Toyota Corolla and a white Ford Mustang were involved in a head-on collision just before 9.30 last night in Newton. Two men were rushed to hospital, including the driver of the Mustang and the male passenger of the Corolla who did not survive. Police say the driver of the Corolla ran away from the scene. RCMP are not ruling out speed or alcohol as factors in the crash. 
Three people, including a child, are dead after a crash on Highway 99 overnight. RCMP say it happened just after midnight near Daisy Lake Reservoir, south of Whistler. Two adults and the child died at the scene. A woman was taken to hospital, where she is in stable condition. And one person has died after a single vehicle crash in the Fraser Valley. It happened on Chilliwack Lake Road, east of Vetter Road, early last evening. Police say the pickup truck became airborne before hitting a power pole. The vehicle's wreckage ended up in a yard. Rescue crews tried to save the driver but were not successful. Each of these collisions is being investigated individually. At this time, it's still very early on as we're still within a 24-hour period of any of these crashes taking place. So it takes time to determine the causal factors. Um, but in my experience, speed, alcohol, uh, road conditions can all play factors in these crashes. And let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell because there is an advisory you should know about, especially if you're doing any driving, Yvonne. Yeah, and this is going to impact us overnight and take us in towards our Monday morning commute. We've got thick, dense fog that's blanketing the south coast. The areas of concern right now are along the eastern regions of the island, right along the Sunshine Coast, southern Gulf Islands, and metro Vancouver. This will be overnight in towards tomorrow morning. Very dense fog. We're looking at near zero visibility for many areas right along the south coast. So you'll want to give yourself that extra time especially for that Monday morning commute. Also wanted to note it'll be chilly overnight. Temperatures will be close to or hovering the freezing mark. A few spots will be below. We've got the dense fog and we're also looking at slippery road conditions. So give yourself that extra time. We may see that fog set up once again for Monday. I'll have more coming up very shortly. Jordan. Yvonne, thanks for this. A wolf dog wreaking havoc on Vancouver Island appears to have struck again. A couple staying at a campground in Coombe says the animal killed their pet dog this weekend. The wolf dog, believed to once be a pet before being dumped by its owner, has been tricky to catch. As Grace Key reports, the owners of its latest victim are begging officials to step in and help. She was a ball of fire. She made us smile and laugh every single day, without a doubt, every single day. She was day. a real character. <laughs> this beloved French bulldog named Ocean was killed Saturday morning west of Parksville on Vancouver Island. Her owners believe she was killed by the same wolf dog that's attacked before. This wolf came out of nowhere, grabbed Ocean, ripped it out of my hand. The leash out of Ripped the leash out of my hand, broke my little finger. Broke her leash and she's gone. Broke her collar, clasp. By the time I could get up and get myself together, the wolf had our puppy head in the other direction. And I ran and ran and ran and yelled and ran as hard as I could until I couldn't run no more. And I just fell flat on my face. Greg ran back to the Combs Country Campground where he and his partner had been staying. They ran down the trails in a desperate search for ocean. They never found her, but did make a gruesome discovery. Carolyn come across uh, quite a pool of blood. And it was actually still warm. So she picked it up and brought it home. It leaves and... The mixed-breed wolf dog is believed to be the same animal that attacked Gus on October 12th at one of the popular trails near Coombs. Gus suffered nine puncture wounds, a torn trachea, and a broken tail. Gus is recovering after four nights in the ER and $11,000 in vet bills. Come here. Hey. A group named Find Lost and Escape Dogs is trying to capture the animal and deliver it to a new home. It's dubbed the animal WD-40 because it's been difficult and slippery to catch. Conservation won't touch it. Animal control won't touch it. 
So he's kind of in the middle. Signs are up around the campground and area trails warning people about the animal. But for Ocean's owners, that's not enough. It's killed it's our dog. This. And this has been going on for over two months and nothing. Nobody's doing anything. Locals believe the wolf dog was kept as a pet but dumped by its owner in September. Since then, residents continue to be on high alert until it's caught. Grace Key, Global News. A Vancouver pet owner is sounding the alarm about an infection that left her dog in intensive care and her with a staggering vet bill. The bacteria is easy for animals to pick up and can be transmitted to their owners. And as Cassidy Moscone reports, it is also remarkably easy to prevent. One day, five-year-old Choco was an excitable, vibrant dog. The next, he was barely moving at the vet clinic. He was feverish, he was shivering, um, he was lethargic. He threw up within 24 hours, 10 times, uncontrollably. It was the worst thing, the, the, the yells, the screaming, and I couldn't do anything for him. I felt so useless. Over the next four days, Natasha took Choco to three different vets until finally a diagnosis. He goes, Natasha, your dog is in acute stage three kidney failure. And two weeks before, he was a clean bill of health. His little body shutting down thanks to leptospirosis, a disease commonly found in stagnant waters, passed on through the urine of infected wildlife, and humans aren't immune. They can be shedding it before they're ill, which means inadvertently we could actually get it from them. So we need to be really careful. It can be deadly to both humans and animals. The disease is preventable. There's a vaccine, but it's not on the list of standard pet immunisations. The advice, speak to your vet about whether it's something you should consider. If you're a really outdoors person and your dog joins you in your outdoor activities a lot and you happen to live in an area where you do have a lot of wildlife and there is a lot of stagnant water, then I think it's definitely worth uh, vaccinating for. Choco spent two weeks in the intensive care unit. He's on a cocktail of medications, but is finally on the mend. His owner, Natasha, now struggling to pay the vet bills. What should have been a $20 vaccine cost me over $20,000. And it's still climbing because it's still aftercare that he needs. Speaking up in hope no other family feels the same pain. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Emergency room shut down. Just ahead on the news hour, the community with no ER service until tomorrow. And the number of times this has happened since January. We just want to help to get them through the night. And later, the police officer who saw a need in his community and stepped up to fill it. For the 19th time since January, the emergency department in Merritt is closed after shutting down at 8 this morning for 24 hours. All emergency department services are unavailable due to a staffing shortage. Interior Health says patients in need of care should drive to Kamloops about an hour away or call 911 for an ambulance in Merritt. Merritt's mayor tells Global News he is disappointed but not surprised by this closure. He is going to phone the health minister in the morning. The city is also planning to withhold tax revenue from the province amid these closures. One person has been arrested following gunfire last night near Headley. RCMP say they got a report of shots fired around 6.30 and closed Highway 3 west of town while they searched for a suspect. 
The emergency response team was called in and arrested one person around 11 p.m. No injuries were reported. The highway reopened around midnight. A B.C. company is weighing in on the national debate over a replacement for our maritime patrol aircraft. The Royal Canadian Air Force is looking to replace its fleet of aging CP-140 Aurora aircraft. Some of these are based at CFB Comox. They're used to patrol the oceans off our coast for anti-submarine warfare and for search and rescue missions, but they are getting old. So... Ottawa is shopping around, and Bombardier continues to make its case for a Canadian-made design. But the head of KF Aerospace in Kelowna says that's not realistic, and only Boeing is offering a plane that's ready to go. As a Canadian-owned and operated company, KF stands to benefit significantly from more than you know 25 years of this aircraft being in service. And the aircraft will be delivered beginning in August of 2026. So our opportunity to benefit uh, from supporting the aircraft once they are in service is, you know, it's a relatively short timeline. She estimates if the RCAF opts for the Boeing plane, it will mean $920 million for Western Canada's economy and 660 new jobs. Ottawa has not said when it will make a decision. As it happens, efforts are ramping up to recover a Boeing Poseidon in Hawaii. The plane remains partially submerged after it went off the runway off the east coast of Oahu. Nine people were on board at the time and no injuries were reported. The plane calls Washington State home. The Navy is investigating why it crashed. BC Ferries is reporting the second quarter of its fiscal year resulted in higher net earnings and an increase in passengers. Net earnings from July to September were more than $102 million. That figure is $21 million more than the same time last year. The ferries carried more than 7.8 million passengers in this time period, despite multiple sailing cancellations and vessel issues through the summer. Another figure that increased is operating costs, jumping by 11%. A Vancouver author is on a mission to make sure no one forgets the victims of Canada's worst terrorist attack. On June 23, 1985, 329 passengers and crew were killed when a bomb went off on Air India Flight 182 which originated in Vancouver. At a reading of The Children of Air India, a collection of poems first published in 2013, author Rene Saragini Saklikar says it is important to have respectful conversations around complex events. Can we come together and say, you know what, I may disagree with you, but I'll defend to the death your right to disagree with me, and we can have a complex conversation about loss and grief without shouting and without being violent. That's a really big message for me for today. Members of, of the Indo-Canadian community, of the Indian community here, we, almost, we, we were almost raised not to talk about it because... Our generation and our parents' generation was all about assimilation rather than saying, hey, this is a thing, this happened, it should be recognized. Zach Lakar lost her aunt and uncle in the terrorist attack. The city of Vancouver is asking the public for help creating new commemorative practices to reflect the city's indigenous history. The city says Vancouver's existing monuments and names do not accurately portray the Musqueam, Squamish or Tsleil-Waututh nations' presence. Vancouverites are encouraged to voice their opinion through a commemorative framework survey on the city's website, available until December 10th. 
City staff conducted a random sample of 1,500 Vancouver monuments, names and plaques and found that 57% related to European settlement. Only 3% mentioned the city's indigenous heritage. Holocaust education as early as kindergarten. Because this event was so significant in terms of uh, the scale. Coming up on the news hour, why Prince George Council is pushing for a mandatory curriculum for kids as young as five. Plus, day three of the temporary truce in the Middle East will show you how it went. Prince George City Council is vowing to advocate for mandatory Holocaust education. At a meeting Monday night, council recommended recognizing the dangers of Holocaust denial and distortion. It comes three weeks after the province passed legislation making Holocaust education a part of the grade 10 curriculum starting in the 2025-26 school year. But the Prince George resolution recommends education start in kindergarten and go all the way until grade 12. Great historic lesson of the past and uh, perhaps uh, a vision of hope the future will emerge from that. I think the all the governments that realize that. So, because this event was so significant in terms of uh, the scale and uh, the atrocity and uh, the, the basically to set people you versus us. Prince George Council is also recommending that if the resolution is accepted, it will be forwarded to School District 57 with an amendment to include private schools. In the Middle East, more hostage and prisoner swaps on day three of a four-day pause in fighting between Israel and Hamas. Fourteen Israelis and three others have been handed over by Hamas. And in return, Israel has released 39 Palestinian prisoners. Global's Redmond Shannon has the latest. Hamas video showing a relatively smooth release of 17 hostages on Sunday. Day three of what is set to be a four-day truce at least for now. Cheering crowds welcomed some of the 14 Israeli hostages home. The three non-Israelis are Thai citizens. Similar scenes of joy in the West Bank as Israel releases 39 more Palestinian prisoners in return. Newly freed Omar Alachan says he wants to see all Palestinian prisoners freed from Israeli jails. Among Sunday's released hostages is the Brodets family, mom Hagar and her kids 10-year-old Ofri, Yuval aged 8 and 4-year-old Oriya. Earlier this month, their dad Avihai told Global News of his anguish. I have no sense of vengeance, revenge, nothing at all. I just want my family back. On Sunday, we saw a new video of reunions from Saturday's releases. Schoolgirls Emily Hand and Hila Rotem Shoshani hugging family. They and others in reasonably good physical health. Despite the fact that the uh, harsh conditions they have been under and the um, experience of captivity, they did not um, require any emergent medical uh, intervention. Also released Sunday, four-year-old Israeli-American Abigail Idan, an orphan after her parents were killed by Hamas. U.S. President Joe Biden says he wants the releases to continue past Monday. Well, that's our goal, to keep this pause going beyond tomorrow so that we can continue to see more hostages come out.
And now Hamas says it wants to extend the pause in fighting too to allow more hostage and prisoner exchanges. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he is open to the proposal of extending the temporary ceasefire, but would also be ready to resume the military operation in Gaza. Toronto woman Judy Weinstein is believed to be the only Canadian being held by Hamas. Her family will be hoping that if she is not released Monday, that Israel and Hamas will agree to extend the pause in fighting. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. Three people are dead after an early morning shooting in Winnipeg and two others remain in critical condition. Global's Catherine Dornian has what we know so far. Police have been here on scene for most of the day here on this street in the West Broadway neighborhood. Early this morning, officers found five people who had been shot. Three of them have died. An adult male and an adult female were pronounced deceased at the scene. Three additional victims were located and transported to hospital in critical condition. One adult male transported to hospital has since succumbed to his injuries. A man and woman remain in hospital in critical condition. Police say the victims' identities are still being confirmed and they don't know yet what the relationships between any of them may have been. Police also wouldn't confirm which building the shooting happened in, but have several residences taped off as they investigate. Due to the complexity of the investigation, forensics will be on this scene for an extended period. Police have not reported any arrests and are asking the public to come forward with any information they may have. Anyone who witnessed anything suspicious in the area or anyone with video surveillance is asked to contact the homicide unit or Crime Stoppers. We're certainly very saddened to provide this information today where we have uh, multiple lives lost, but we're certainly committed to uh, determining exactly what took place and we'll provide those details again as the investigation unfolds. Police say this investigation could go on for weeks or possibly longer. We did ask if the shooter could be among the dead or injured. They haven't ruled it out, but say it's too early to confirm. Catherine Dornian, Global News. Public Health Canada says one person has died following a salmonella outbreak linked to Malachita and Ruby brand cantaloupes. There are 63 confirmed cases linked to the outbreak across five provinces. 17 people have been hospitalized. The health agency issued recalls for the fruit earlier this month. The recall has now been expanded to include some pre-cut pineapples, honeydew melons and watermelons processed alongside the Malachita and Ruby cantaloupes. Coming up, why a WestJet plane was circling the lower mainland today. Plus, didn't catch a glimpse of the sun? We'll take you above the fog as the news hour continues. The CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day campaign recognizes the importance of diversity. So let's lift each other up on Pink Shirt Day, Wednesday, February 28th. Presented by Fortis BC. Energy for a better BC. A North Vancouver RCMP corporal and his wife will be back on the streets this winter trying to make the cold nights a bit easier for unhoused people. Nearly a decade ago, the pair founded Warming the Homeless, a grassroots initiative that puts together kits full of clothing, food and hygiene items to hand out. Since 2014, Corporal Randall Wong and his partner Sahar have dedicated hundreds of hours to the kits and handing them out often on their own time. For me as a police officer, I wanted to build that bridge. 
right? Um, normally, when we're talking to somebody, it's because we're injected into the situation, right? Um, you know, for a disturbance or whatever the case may be. So during night shifts, day shifts, if you look at warmingthehomeless.com, you'll see myself in uniform. You'll see my wife and I downtown Vancouver on the North Shore handing the packages out to those less fortunate who really would like something to keep themselves warm. Kits are also given to firefighters to hand out while on duty. Each kit costs about $16 to make, up from about $10 when they first began. Donations are accepted on the organization's website. A WestJet flight from Calgary circled for an hour above Metro Vancouver this afternoon while waiting for fog to lift in Nanaimo. The plane ended up diverting to YVR, but not before creating quite a show in the sky for those below. WestJet says shortly after the decision was made to land at YVR, the weather improved slightly in Nanaimo, but still not enough to land there. The plan was to wait at YVR to see if the pilots could attempt to land in Nanaimo again. Otherwise, the flight would return to Calgary. And that may not be the last of weather delays because the fog is rolling back in, Yvonne. Yeah, and those who want to see a bit of the sunshine have to get above. We've got some great video that was sent in from our Pat Bell. Here's a quick snapshot of what it looked like from the lookout point. This is from Cyprus as the fog rolled across the region. Spectacular video there, but yes, Above higher elevations, that's where we're seeing most of the sunshine, and that's a great shot. So thank you so much, Pat, for sending that in. Fog sets up once again. It'll be very thick and dense right across the region, all areas along the south coast with the dense fog advisory that is in effect. We're currently sitting at four, and we've got these light winds. We've got chilly temperatures, and we've got this ridge of pressure, high pressure that's remaining in place, and that's where we're seeing uh, the fog that sets up once again. Today, it'll continue likely and towards tomorrow as well. Now, overnight tonight, temperatures will be close to or hovering the freezing we're currently sitting at four. We'll be down to the freezing mark, so it'll be very slippery for a morning commute. Do keep that in mind. The one area that is tracking precipitation is along the north and central coast. We've got a frontal system that's passing across the region. We're seeing that rain. It'll intensify overnight and then continue through the day with very windy conditions. We could see some of those gusts getting up to 50 kilometers per hour. So once again, the dense fog advisory extends right along the Sunshine Coast, eastern regions of the island, southern Gulf Islands, and across Metro Vancouver. It'll lift though as we get closer towards the noon hour but it's the morning commute that'll be the big concern with that dense fog right across the region. Now the precipitation along the north coast it'll pick up it intensified through the afternoon and evening and all areas along the southern half will still remain dry. Now our long range forecast all the way in towards our Wednesday we are going to hang on to that sunshine it's by Thursday and leading in towards the weekend that we are going to see the return for some wet weather. So very wet and windy along the north coast highs tomorrow up to 8 degrees. It's dry across the central interior, much of the southern half through the day tomorrow with some bright spots. Highs up to four for the Thompson Okanagan. Whistler will see some sunny breaks with highs up to five degrees, but it's all areas along the south coast. Lower mainland, we will see that fog into the morning, lifting as we get in towards the afternoon. Highs tomorrow between 7 and 8 degrees. Tuesday, Wednesday, very similar and pleasant, but we will potentially see that fog once again for Tuesday and Wednesday morning. Then a change on the way as we look ahead towards our Thursday. Jordan? All right, Yvonne, thanks for this. The theatre company based out of Victoria has released its initial plans for a new performance arts hub in the city's downtown. The Other Guys Theatre Company says the plan for 716 Johnson Street is a long time coming for the capital city. The company bought the space at the end of last year with the help of an investor and is now working on the renovation plan. It will not only be home to performance and rehearsal space at affordable rates for artists, 
but will have offices and potentially a cafe or wine bar. It's been a long time coming for a company to be able to have a, a space that's not just a home for other guys. This is going to be a home for the small and medium-sized performance-based companies in Victoria. Uh, independent artists will use the space. Uh, it, it's going to be quite exciting. To help drive fundraising for the building, the Other Guys is participating in Giving Tuesday. The first $1,000 donated will be matched, and all donors will receive a charitable tax receipt. The company is hoping to open the doors at the new Arts Hub by 2026. All right, the whole gang is here, and mm. Barry, this might be partially our fault. We were sitting here last night saying this is a game they're going to win. Statistically, they had yeah. to. And look what they did. That's right. They call it the old trap game where yeah. you consider that you know you're going to win, but you don't. And, uh, you know, Rick Tockett wasn't happy with it. This is, you know, the people are up for the Canucks. Two other teams are up for them. They're playing well. They know they got to play well to beat them. And, uh, you know, Canucks have had a busy schedule, but uh, no excuses. So we'll hear from the coach who wasn't happy with his team. I'm sure they'll bounce back. They've uh, kind of done that this year. We're also going to have a story on Vancouver Warriors. The uh, lacrosse uh, season, the NLL season, starts next week, and uh, we'll hear from their new head coach and GM, Kurt Miloski, saying things are going to be different now. The, the Warriors have had trouble. They've okay. not made the playoffs ever in their uh, short four-year history playing out of Rogers, so hopefully things will change. All right. Looking forward to hearing mm -hmm. what they plan to do differently. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Barry. Also coming up on the News Hour. I really like being able to do, like, the most push-ups and, like, the most pull-ups of any of the girls. The BC woman ranked as the best power lifter in Canadian history. The CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day campaign recognizes the importance of diversity. So let's lift each other up on Pink Shirt Day, Wednesday, February 28th. Presented by Fortis BC. Energy for a better BC. A North Vancouver RCMP corporal and his wife will be back on the streets this winter trying to make the cold nights a bit easier for unhoused people. Nearly a decade ago, the pair founded Warming the Homeless, a grassroots initiative that puts together kits full of clothing, food and hygiene items to hand out. Since 2014, Corporal Randall Wong and his partner Sahar have dedicated hundreds of hours to the kits and handing them out often on their own time. For me as a police officer, I wanted to build that bridge, right? Um, normally when we're talking to somebody, it's because we're injected into the situation, right? Um, you know, for a disturbance or whatever the case may be. So during night shifts, day shifts, if you look at warmingthehomeless.com, you'll see myself in uniform. You'll see my wife and I downtown Vancouver on the North Shore handing the packages out to those less fortunate who really would like something to keep themselves warm. Kits are also given to firefighters to hand out while on duty. Each kit costs about $16 to make, up from about $10 when they first began. Donations are accepted on the organization's website. A WestJet flight from Calgary circled for an hour above Metro Vancouver this afternoon while waiting for fog to lift in Nanaimo. The plane ended up diverting to YBR, but not before creating quite a show in the sky for those below. WestJet says shortly after the decision was made to land at YBR, the weather improved slightly in Nanaimo, but still not enough to land there. The plan was to wait at YBR to see if the pilots could attempt to land in Nanaimo again. Otherwise, the flight would return to Calgary. 
And that may not be the last of weather delays because the fog is rolling back in, Yvonne. Yeah, and those who want to see a bit of the sunshine have to get above. We've got some great video that was sent in from our Pat Bell. Here's a quick snapshot of what it looked like from the lookout point. This is from Cyprus as the fog rolled across the region. Spectacular video there, but yes... Above higher elevations, that's where we're seeing most of the sunshine, and that's a great shot. So thank you so much, Pat, for sending that in. Fog sets up once again. It'll be very thick and dense right across the region, all areas along the south coast with the dense fog advisory that is in effect. We're currently sitting at four, and we've got these light winds. We've got chilly temperatures, and we've got this ridge of pressure, high pressure that's remaining in place, and that's where we're seeing uh, the fog that sets up once again. Today, it'll continue likely and towards tomorrow as well. Now, overnight tonight, temperatures will be close to or hovering the freezing mark. We're currently sitting at four. We'll be down to the freezing mark, so it'll be very slippery for a morning commute. Do keep that in mind. The one area that is tracking precipitation is along the north and central coast. We've got a frontal system that's passing across the region. We're seeing that rain. It'll intensify overnight and then continue through the day with very windy conditions. We could see some of those gusts getting up to 50 kilometers per hour. So once again, the dense fog advisory extends right along the Sunshine Coast, eastern regions of the island, southern Gulf Islands, and across Metro Vancouver. It'll lift though as we get closer towards the noon hour but it's the morning commute that'll be the big concern with that dense fog right across the region. Now the precipitation along the north coast it'll pick up it intensified through the afternoon and evening and all areas along the southern half will still remain dry. Now our long range forecast all the way in towards our Wednesday we are going to hang on to that sunshine it's by Thursday and leading in towards the weekend that we are going to see the return for some wet weather. So very wet and windy along the north coast highs tomorrow up to 8 degrees. It's dry across the central interior, much of the southern half through the day tomorrow with some bright spots. Highs up to four for the Thompson Okanagan. Whistler will see some sunny breaks with highs up to five degrees, but it's all areas along the south coast. Lower mainland, we will see that fog into the morning, lifting as we get in towards the afternoon. Highs tomorrow between 7 and 8 degrees. Tuesday, Wednesday, very similar and pleasant, but we will potentially see that fog once again for Tuesday and Wednesday morning, then a change on the way as we look ahead towards our Thursday. Jordan? All right, Yvonne, thanks for this. The theater company based out of Victoria has released its initial plans for a new performance arts hub in the city's downtown. The Other Guys Theater Company says the plan for 716 Johnson Street is a long time coming for the capital city. The company bought the space at the end of last year with the help of an investor and is now working on the renovation plan. It will not only be home to performance and rehearsal space at affordable rates for artists, but we'll have offices and potentially a cafe or wine bar. It's been a long time coming for a company to be able to have a, a space that's not just a home for other guys. This is going to be a home for the small and medium-sized performance-based companies in Victoria. Uh, independent artists will use the space. Uh, it, it's going to be quite exciting. To help drive fundraising for the building, the Other Guys is participating in Giving Tuesday. The first $1,000 donated will be matched, and all donors will receive a charitable tax receipt. The company is hoping to open the doors at the new Arts Hub by 2026. All right, the whole gang is here, and mm. Barry, this might be partially our fault. We were sitting here last night saying this is a game they're going to win. Statistically, they had yeah. to. 
And look what they did. That's right. They call it the old trap game where yeah. you consider that you know you're going to win, but you don't. And, uh, you know, Rick Tockett wasn't happy with it. This is, you know, the people are up for the Canucks, too. Other teams are up for them. They're playing well. They know they got to play well to beat them. And, uh, you know, Canucks have had a busy schedule, but uh, no excuses. So we'll hear from the coach who wasn't happy with his team. I'm sure they'll bounce back. They've uh, kind of done that this year. We're also going to have a story on Vancouver Warriors. The uh, lacrosse uh, season, the NLL season, starts next week, and uh, we'll hear from their new head coach and GM, Kurt Miloski, saying things are going to be different now. The, the Warriors have had trouble. They've okay. not made the playoffs ever in their uh, short four-year history playing out of Rogers, so hopefully things will change. All right. Looking forward to hearing mm -hmm. what they plan to do differently. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Barry. Also coming up on the News Hour. I really like being able to do, like, the most push-ups and, like, the most pull-ups of any of the girls. The BC woman ranked as the best power lifter in Canadian history. You're invited to one of the largest toy drives. On December 13th, join us for the 36th annual Christmas Wish Breakfast. Enjoy free breakfast when you bring a new unwrapped toy or cash to the Pan Pacific Vancouver. Covenant House Vancouver Triple Match campaign is on now until December 31st. Donate today and your gift will go three times as far in helping young people overcome homelessness. For Our BC, I'm Yvonne Shell. In partnership with BC Cancer Foundation, with you, life beyond cancer is within reach. Give at bccancerfoundation.com. Swim with sharks and sometimes you get hurt. Sometimes you get bit. Just mm -hmm. ask the fawns. No, he was good. He went over. He went over the sharks. All right. Thanks, Jordan. After getting off to uh, the best start in team history, the Canucks have cooled off somewhat. They've lost four of six, including a 4-3 setback last night in San Jose against the last place Sharks. Sure, the Canucks have had a hectic schedule. Ten games in 17 days in eight different cities. But those kinds of stretches are part of life in the NHL. And Rick Tockett wants to see his team manage those kinds of games better when it's obvious the team is running low on energy. Every team goes through these schedules and you have to play smart. You know, you got to good, have good angles, short shifts. Um, you know, you got to do your staples when you're, you don't have your game. You can't just, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I'm tired and I'm, you know, I'm not going to do my, my staples. Like, you got to stay in it. And if it's 25 seconds, get off. So I felt we just had a, too many guys just not ready. Whether they were tired or not, um, then you, you know, then do something different, I guess. Everyone knows our schedule's been tough, but, um, you know, I thought we came out slow in the first period. We all felt it, and, you know, San Jose was ready, and they took it to us in the first period. But, you know, we were lucky that it was 2-2 going in the third, and, um, you know, it's 4-4 four four guys that were out there. Can't, can't give up a goal, you know, that, that quickly at the start of the period, so that's on us. Well, at least the Abbotsford Canucks won today. Seven different goal scorers as they knock off first place Calgary in Calgary 7-2. Vasily Pitkolzin had two assists. Abby returns home next Friday against Laval. Canucks' next opponent is Anaheim on Tuesday. Ducks in Edmonton tonight. Lots of goals in this one. Already one nothing Ducks, but Edmonton got it right back. Connor Brown finally gets his first point as an Oiler, setting up Evander Kane's 10th. Brown in his 14th game finally contributes to a goal. He is making four million bucks, but uh, back come the Ducks. Max Jones, who scored the first one, gets his second of the game, beats Stuart Skinner. Man, the Oilers 
just cannot get a stop from their goalies. 2-1 Ducks. But back comes Edmonton. Darnell Nurse with the long pass to Connor McDavid. Three on one as an NHL goalie. That can't be a good sight. McDavid fires in his seventh, starting to look more like his superstar self after that early injury. Then Nurse with another long bomb finds Ryan Nugent Hopkins. All sorts of holes in that duck defense. 3-2 Oilers. Three goals in their first four shots. 3-2 late first. Vancouver Warriors begin their fifth National Lacrosse League season this Friday at home to Panther City. They're a team out of Dallas. It'll be the debut for new head coach and general manager Kurt Miloski. The Warriors are owned by the Aquilini family, of course, and they're hoping hiring Miloski will give the Warriors the same kind of boost hiring Rick Tockett did for the Canucks. Up ahead, Teat on a break. Jeff Teat scores! The Vancouver Warriors dug the ball out of their own net more than any other team in the National Lacrosse League last season, an average of nearly 14 times per game. So job one for Warriors new head coach and GM Kurt Miloski is to get defensive about everything. Defense is hard work. It's a reactionary position, so obviously you have to have a lot of intelligence there to understand the schemes. And, you know, I've always been a blue-collar guy. You know, what you put in is what you get out. That honest effort will give you that honest result. You know, we're not going to be special. We're not going to try to be a, a bunch of fancy guys out there. We're just going to play blue-collar, hard-nosed lacrosse, and very disciplined. And, you know, we're, I, I always refer to it as the right way. That's the way his teams played in Calgary for the past decade, where he led the Roughnecks to an NLL title in 2019 and was always a perennial contender. Now he wants to bring that culture and buy-in to a franchise starving for that kind of success. The Warriors have yet to even make the playoffs in their four seasons at Rogers Arena. You got to start caring about each other and trusting each other, and, you know, along with that commitment and that sacrifice, which we've asked them to do. Um, you start getting that belief, and then you become resilient. So it's going to take us some time. There's no question. Um, so the expectations is just get better week to week, and then we just see where we are. We don't scoreboard watch. It's one of my my things. I don't look at scoreboards. We play where our feet are. Honestly, we do. You can hear the passion in Miloski's voice. He would love nothing more than for the Warriors to capture the hearts of BC's loyal lacrosse fan base. We have to earn that fan base's respect. Like you said earlier, it's been tough times here in Vancouver, and, and you know there's a lot of naysayers at this point, and you know hopefully we can change that. But we just got to put a good product on the floor. Like I said, play the right way. But lacrosse in Vancouver and being at a hotbed is very, very important to the Aquilini family, to ourselves, to all the players that are there. We take great pride in putting that jersey on. It's a passion of mine. I'm in love with the game and, and what it what it brings. To, you know how it changes people and forms their life in sport, and especially in lacrosse, it's such a family oriented sport. So you know I'm just very, very proud and and I'm going to try to do my best to, to try to facilitate this great game. So thankful and humble would be the two words I would come to. NFL today, Bills and Eagles from Philly. Bills at 6-5 and five in a dogfight to make the playoffs. Eagles at 9-1 and one have the best record in the NFL. Third quarter, Josh Allen will not be denied. Bowling his way in for the touchdown. Buffalo up by 10. Second rushing TD of the day for Allen, but the Eagles rally. How about Jalen Hurts on third and 15? Extends the play, then floats a perfect pass to uh, Olamamide Zacchaeus, who uh, makes a great grab for the touchdown. Eagles take the lead 28-24, but back comes Josh Allen. Quick hitter to Gabe Davis for the go-ahead touchdown with under two minutes to go. 31-28 Buffalo. Still time left and an absolutely miserable, rainy, windy conditions today in Philly. Eagles kicker Jake Elliott from 59 yards out. I mean, 
To make a field goal that long, you need perfect conditions. For him to do this when it was raining and blowing sideways, that's amazing. Drills it. We need overtime. Now, the Bills got a field goal in their first possession of OT, but the Eagles get a chance to answer it, and do they ever. Hurts on the quarterback draw, takes it in for the game-winning touchdown. Eagles win 37-34. They're 10-1. Bills are in trouble. 6-6 six six out of the playoffs as of now. Chiefs and Raiders from fabulous Las Vegas. Raiders jumped out to an early 14-0 lead, but KC respond. Patrick Mahomes to Justin Watson for the touchdown. 14-all at the break. And in the fourth, Chiefs now up 21-17. Mahomes to uh, Rasheed Rice, who gets a step on his defender, turns the corner, and he takes this one to the house. 39-yard pass and run for the TD. Chiefs win at 31-17. They go to 8-3. NBA Today Raptors in Cleveland. Toronto off to an 8-8 start under new head coach Darko Ryakovich. Ryakovich really emphasizing sharing the ball. And the Raps do it well here. OG Ananobi with the corner three. An 18-0 run by the Raps. They led by 10 at the half, but the offense goes ice cold in the second half. Cleveland goes on a 10-1 run. Chris Levert will nail the three. Cavs up by seven, but it is tight late. 95-92 Cleveland late in the fourth. Final race of the Formula One season, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And this race pretty much summed up the season. Max Verstappen crosses the finish line first, like he pretty much did all year. Holds off Ferrari's Charles Leclerc. Leclerc was second. George Russell of Mercedes third. Lance Stroll of Canada was tenth. But this year has belonged to Verstappen. To say he was dominant would be an understatement. He won 19 of the 22 races and finished second in two other ones. He also had a fifth. What happened there, Max? One fifth place finish. Anyway, an all-time record, and he dominated. English Premiership, Spurs hosting Aston Villa, and Villa showing they are a legit team. Spurs had a 1-0 lead, but Villa equalized deep into first half stoppage time. Perfect delivery on the long free kick, and Pau Torres with the uh, powerful header to tie it 1-1. And then in the 61st, Villa get the game winner. Ollie Watkins with the nice finish to the corner, and Aston Villa win 2-1. They jump over Spurs into fourth, and they're just two points behind first place Arsenal. Playing with all the big boys mm -hmm. like Man City and Liverpool, so all, right. all the Villa fans are excited. Good stuff. Thank you. That was jam-packed. Yes, it was. All right. She loved to draw as a kid, and now she sort of does that for a living. Kristen Anderson's success in animation. Next. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agency's group. 50 years of trust in your community. Well, as an influential force for women in the animation industry, Kristen Anderson has worked on some of the biggest movie projects. The latest release about a lizard named Leo has brought her back full circle to her childhood. Here's Jay Durant now with tonight's This is BC. There's so many comments like, don't make them too human, but make them human. It's exactly yes. the kind of job that Kristen Anderson dreamed of as a kid. I used to draw nonstop. I used to have this favorite magazine of animals, of Australian animals, and I would just draw them all day all the time. Actually, there was a lizard. I know I drew a lot. Endless hours doodling at her desk has led to a successful career in film. First starting in live action before moving to animation in 2012 when she was hired to work on the first Lego movie. Wait, 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 no, no, no. Ah! I'd been wanting to get into animal logic and animation for a long time and I saw this ad and I said, yes, that's me. Her experience and vision have been a driving force at Vancouver's animation studio, Animal Logic. We just added a little bit of variation in there. 
pushing the creative process behind many productions. I always wanted to be close to the story and, I've, and the creative part of it. This is my shot! Leo on Netflix is the latest release. A 70-year-old lizard who set the bucket list, you know, of what they, what he aims to do before he, you know, kicks the bucket. Ow! Mother of Godzilla! What was that? Oh, they, we just saw the dad there. The um, Anderson also dad. serves as a mentor in the industry, working with the Women in Animation organization. Our position in the company, this is a great example for us as a woman. And I think uh, yeah. definitely I'm learning a lot from her. I am painfully aware of how hard it was when I started out. Try doing this. Wait. <laughs> there are moments in the new movie that take her back to those childhood years, remembering where this all started in front of the TV during Saturday morning cartoons. I used to wake up and just sit there in front of the test pattern waiting for Scooby-Doo to come on TV. I'll remember this Halloween the rest of my life. That says so much about um, the process of growing up and not forgetting. It's, it's still okay to play. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, just email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Pretty cool. Takes us all back. Saturday yeah, morning. Love the Saturday morning cartoons. Spider-Man, yeah. Scooby-Doo, all the Can't top those. Yeah. yeah. A little sugary cereal to boot. Just a little. A lot of sugary cereal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, so we got to talk about the forecast because tomorrow's commute could be a bit tricky. Yeah, especially uh, overnight and continuing towards tomorrow morning. We've got this dense fog advisory uh, that's blanketing much of the south coast. Uh, Metro Vancouver is included within that. It'll lift as we get closer towards the noon hour, but I anticipate uh, slippery road conditions will have the dense fog, so give yourself that extra time. By the afternoon, though, we'll see some sunny breaks. Good to hear that. Thanks for watching. That's tonight's news hour. I will see you back here at 11. So long for now.